James Gunn brings another group of comic book misfits to the big screen. Today we're talking about The Suicide Squad. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self Indulgent Movie Podcast. And I am Scott, and today I'm talking about The Suicide Squad, which is the sequel to the 2016 Suicide Squad film. And it is different in almost every way, minus a few overlapping actors and the general premise. But in terms of tone and approach and everything else, it's very different. And I'm a giant fan of it. So uh, I, I personally watched it on HBO Max, but if you're able to see it in theaters, I highly recommend it. And yeah, without further ado, let's get started. James Gunn's recent career can be described as when a door closes, a window opens. In Gunn's case, his temporary firing from Disney as the writer and director of the Guardians of the Galaxy films gave Gunn and Warner Brothers a window to do the same job with their own crew of misfits, the Suicide Squad. It's one of the easiest transitions you can imagine on paper. Gunn had already demonstrated his ability to make fun movies with disparate characters, and now he has the freedom of an R rating and creative control over a franchise with a ton of potential. Sign me up. Anything to get the taste of the original out of my mouth forever. And sure enough, Gunn's offbeat approach has produced another excellent comic book film. In the latest mission for Task Force X, also known as the Suicide Squad, Amanda Waller has sent her convicted villains to the island nation of Corto Maltese to find and destroy Project Starfish. But will the team survive the mission, and each other, long enough to save the day? Suicide Squad was a mess of a movie for a lot of reasons, including everything from the script, the editing, and beyond. Which made it all the more frustrating that the cast seemed near perfect, with a sardonic Will Smith, a perfectly cast Margot Robbie, and... Okay, Jared Leto's Joker is involved, so scrap what I just said. Which is why I'm happy to report that The Suicide Squad is another slam dunk from James Gunn and a great adaptation of the property. I think a lot of people will highlight the R rating, as if that's the main difference in quality. But that doesn't inherently make a movie like this better, even if it's a bunch of bad guys on a black ops mission who could end up dead in any minute. You need to use the R rating's freedom to enhance and establish your tone. And Gunn uses this perfectly. The R-rated elements in this movie are, in essence, used for jokes or intensity. If we're escalating a gag, bring in the blood and the cursing. If Amanda Waller is going off the rails, let her drop a slew of profanity. It doesn't hurt that the R-rating is a great mix with the property as well. While I think R-rated comic book movies are oversold, some properties work better within that framework, see Blade and Deadpool. And a crew of literal psychopaths and murderers fits the bill nicely. In the last film, it felt like the monsters were all orc-like, so crunchy bits flying off of them could sub as blood. But here we've got humans we're shooting and slicing too, so time to get bloody. I also like that the mission itself is much more of a Black Ops-style mission in a clandestine location, not a world-ending event like the last movie. There is a giant fight with a giant threat by the end, but the movie treats this as a fight Waller never meant to happen, so that works really well. Thematically, we're in familiar territory with Gunn, with the idea of found family, but also directly addressing U.S. imperialism? Saying too much gets into spoiler territory, however, the film perfectly positions the audience to challenge indifference and self-interest over the greater good, which feels a bit relevant right now. Character-wise, all of the Gunn hallmarks are here. 
Almost every character gets their moment of depth and pathos, whether it's Polka Dot Man or King Shark, if not an entire highlight action reel scene. Action scene. <laughs> the his sense of humor is so beautifully dark, and the opening Warner, Warner Brothers Presents made me laugh, and the film peppers in some meta humor and great cameos for fans of Gunn's other work. The thing I didn't expect was a lot more visual experimentation and variation. There's been a critique, that I think is fair, that most Marvel movies look and feel the same, and that applies to Gunn's Guardians movies as well. But here, there's a ton of cool ideas that I really liked, like a flashback being projected on a bus window, a bunch of little time jumps between characters and teams, and a standout favorite being a fight, <laughs> half a fight scene viewed from a reflection of a helmet. I'm really hoping he brings the same energy to Guardians number 3. Every cast member also fits their part like a glove. While Idris Elba's Bloodsport might seem like a Deadshot clone on paper, his design with some awesome expanding weapons and his demeanor are very different. Also, I would have trouble imagining Will Smith getting into a cussing match with his daughter, and Margot Robbie continues to show why she's a perfect fit for Harley Quinn and even gets some reasonable footwear and action highlights this time. Most importantly, the movie only references the Joker instead of making him a pivotal, yet not pivotal, character. But my unexpected favorites were John Cena as Peacemaker and Dan <laughs> Daniela Melquire as Ratcatcher 2. Cena has frequently demonstrated a great comedic time timing, but this might be the best merger of his physicality and charisma to date. He nails every joke and pulls out the seriousness when needed. And because every movie like this needs a comparative innocent, Daniela Melquire as Ratchcatcher number two fits the bill. I like her performance because she's such a calm and bright spirit compared to everybody else who is so cynical and naturally combative. Also, her main rat, Sebastian, is adorable. On the action end, we did that right too, with a slow but steady build from stealth kills to shootouts and a blowout scene with a ton of collateral damage in the finale. The only critiques I have have more to do with the expansive cast versus anything else. For instance, you could argue that a few of the characters' payoffs aren't earned or they're forced, but they're built as built up as they can be in a movie with six lead characters that gets in at just over two hours. Not going to complain about trying to give everybody an arc either. The verdict is, it's a ton of fun. Imbued with a sense of fun and full of imagination, The Suicide Squad is a fantastic time at the movies. 8 out of 10. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time, everybody. Stay safe.